I don't know about you, but we had some family over this, this Christmas, and uh, it just got me thinking about, man, uh, what is it, what it must have been like to just uh, sit together as a whole family. We, we haven't done that in a while, because some of my family is in uh, uh, North Carolina. Patty's family is in North Carolina. We have family in Tennessee. We have family in Japan. And uh, so it's like, okay, when was the last time we all got together? It wasn't this Christmas, by the way, but it, it just makes me nostalgic for those days, you know? And, and it kind of actually made me think about Ancestry.com. Has anybody used that before? Oh, man, I have to tell you, it was, it was just like all of a sudden I was like, I got to find out. I have to know. And, and it, you know, it's that place on the internet where you can find out that you came from a long line of barbers, right? It's like, yeah, I needed to know that. Or that, that you walked by your grandma's old, or your great-grandma's old house, and you didn't even know that was her old house. You walked by it every day. That's what they say in the commercial. So I was expecting something pretty amazing, okay? I mean, celebrities have done this, and, you know, they've found these, these incredible things that have just changed their lives forever. And so I, I signed up for that free trial. I'm, I, I'm not paying. Are you kidding me? No, I signed up for the free trial, and, and you know, I, within the first few minutes, I found out something that was pretty incredible. I completely forgot my mom's birthday last week. I was, and I, I know, I know, I'm a terrible son. I know, and I called her, and I apologized, and I'm going to make it up to her and all of that. <laughs> But, you know, just those life-changing things. Actually, I did find out something pretty cool. My uh, fifth great-grandfather, his name was William Mundy, and he fought in the Revolutionary War. And, and this is actually an application that he filled out. I know it's hard to see, but, you know, it's old, okay? Uh, that he filled out for, to receive his pension for serving our country, and giving us our liberty and our freedom. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? I, I thought it was cool. So, uh, but, you know, I, I also wish applications were that easy to fill out. There's, there's only just the name and his number, and that's about it. But, you know, uh, we put a lot of stock in our heritage, don't we? When it's a good one, especially. You know, we kind of beef it up and tell everybody about it. And then we blame our heritage when it's a bad one, don't we? Well, that just runs in the family. That's just the way my family has done it for years, right? And I want you to turn over to, to Galatians chapter 4 today, and we're going to look at some lives that weren't defined by what people said about them. They weren't defined by their, their heritage. They were defined by what God said about them. And the question that we're going to look at today is, who do you think you are? What is it that defines you, and how should it impact others? Today we're going to see that no matter what your history or your heritage, the adoption of your life by God must be the core of your family tree. Let's look at Galatians chapter 4, starting in the beginning of verse 4, and it's going to be on the screen here as well. So it says, Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. You know, oftentimes we have these magical, romantic, uh, rose-colored perspective when it comes to that first Christmas, right? 
wow, that must have been wonderful. Uh, th- that, that God would use Mary and Joseph in such a way that God would entrust them with the Savior of the world. You know, how amazing that God would use them to bring Jesus into this world. And, and it was, don't get me wrong. It was incredible. It changed everything for us, as we're going to find out. But we read a couple chapters every year, and we kind of get the gist of the story, and it kind of just, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, the babe, swaddling clothes, right? <laughs> I got it. But I want you to, to maybe sometime this week go back and take a fresh perspective on these stories. Go back and, and look at how messy it was. Because God's work in this world often is messy. And, and I don't mean that God's work is shoddy, that it's half-baked. But, but that's the nature of the place that we live. It's because of the sin that's in our lives. It's because of the sin that's in the lives of other people. It's because that creation is not working like it was intended to. And so it's messy. So go back and, and look at uh, those passages. Uh, we're going to take a brief look at, at Matthew chapter 1. Did you realize... This is pretty cool. Jesus was adopted. Do you realize that? That's pretty cool to me. Okay, maybe it's because I adopted twin girls, but it's pretty awesome to me, okay? And, and in Matthew chapter 1, J- Joseph took on the role of Jesus' father, regardless of what was being said about him or his family. And he decided to follow God. Think about this. If Joseph had used Ancestry.com, You know, pulled up the computer, said, okay, I want to find out my heritage. He would find out some pretty amazing things. I mean, it's in Matthew chapter 1, too. So, you know, if if you're worried about it, you don't have to go online. But, uh, you know, obviously, as a Jewish man, Joseph's heritage went back to Abraham. That's kind of the important part about being Jewish, is that you have that, that ancestry back to Abraham. But Joseph was more than that. I mean, uh, uh, all of his neighbors probably, you know, shared that ancestry, that heritage. But Joseph, he was from the royal line of King David. No, the King David. I mean, we get excited if our great-great-uncle was the mayor of Whoville, right? Isn't that true? Or, or Or if George Washington slept here. We're like, no way, that's beyond belief. This guy was related directly to King David. Wow. But he was poor. He didn't have any of the riches of David. He didn't have any of that idea of kingship or, or that position. But, but his ancestry was a point of pride. It was a point of respect. It was the royal line. And even he knew that the Messiah would come through that line. He didn't expect it to be him, but... Somewhere down the road. And he was going to marry this great girl. And, and things were just going to be awesome. And, you know, the, the, the credits are going to roll. And, and it's just smooth sailing, right? But then the Bible says that he notices something different about Mary. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And I want you to say the underlined part with me when we get there. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found...
to be with child by the Holy Ghost. Now that phrase, that phrase, she was found, I mean, we, maybe we gloss over it and, and think not too much of it, but it was actually a Greek idiom. It was, it was a, a phrase that they would use that meant she was showing. She had a baby bump, okay? Imagine Joseph's shock when he found out. And it seems to indicate from these verses that, that it, when, when uh, the angel came to Mary and, and told her all these things, she didn't, like, run to Joseph and say, hey, guess what? Good news, right? So he, he's just kind of figuring this out. Imagine his shock. I mean, he had taken high school biology, you know? He's, he's not a dummy. And even worse, she was telling him this crazy story about how an angel came to her and how she, uh, this angel said that she was highly favored and that the baby is from the Holy Spirit of God. Wow, that must have taken the breath right out of Joseph. Do you know what that meant for him? I mean, his name was being wiped out. Forget it. Nothing important is going to happen with Joseph. See, what are his friends going to say when he tells them? What, are, what about his neighbors? What about those he went to synagogue with? They were going to assume that he had gotten her pregnant or that somebody else had gotten her pregnant, and either way, was not looking too good for him. Either way, his reputation was ruined. And he decided that it was time for him to break off the engagement. He, he was going to do it uh, nicely, and he was going to be really nice about it, but he was gone. It was over. And as Mary was wondering what it would be like to be a single mom, an angel came to Joseph and shared with him God's plan. You can see it in Matthew 1, verses 25, 20 through 25. And, and Joseph decides to follow God's direction for his life and his family, regardless of what anybody else thought. This decision to adopt Jesus didn't suddenly make everything easy. It didn't suddenly say, oh, well, that was, that was no problem. Okay, I'm glad we got that straightened out and figured out what happened, but uh, what next? It didn't change the perspective of former friends and neighbors. In fact, when Jesus began his ministry about 30 years later, the community was still making assumptions about Joseph and Mary and Jesus. Write down uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 23, and, and Matthew chapter 13, verses uh, 54 and 55. But I like that Joseph didn't like, go around trying to correct them, that he didn't try to make excuses. He didn't say, it's not what you think. He didn't say, well, he's not biologically mine, you see. He's the Holy Spirit's. He took the role of father and simply trusted God for the rest. He endured the messiness that that event brought to his life because he knew the God that he served. He said, okay, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be the way I planned it. But Lord, you know, and you're going to bring me through. So I have a question for you. What are you willing to endure in order for God to work through your life? 
Uh, we don't really want to think about that, right? We want to think about, okay, God, you, you want to use me? You want to do great things? Well, go ahead, use me in, in great ways. And he says, yeah, but it's not what you think. It's not as easy as it looks. Are you willing to get the looks? Are you willing to be uncomfortable? Are you willing for people to misunderstand your motives and intentions for the sake of someone else? And even when it doesn't look like, uh, it doesn't turn out like you thought it would or it should. You know, I, I'm not just talking about adoption. I mean, I, I don't want you to get that impression because my family and I, we have had the privilege and just amazing blessing of being able to adopt two little girls. But it's not just about that. What I'm talking about is following God no matter the mess that it may seem to bring and trusting him in the middle of it, trusting that he knows what he's doing. What defines you as a per- person? How do you make decisions for yourself and for your family? Who do you think that you are? Just like Jesus, we can say, I'm adopted. That's, that's the good news. Not only was Jesus adopted, but you can be adopted too. You know, when I, I was a kid, uh, my older brothers, uh, they used to kid me and tell me that I was adopted, like it was a bad thing. <laughs> and I would always look at them, you know, with that defiant glare and say, good, I'm glad. <laughs> I not want to be a part of your family anyway. But not only is it a good thing, but it's an amazing thing to be adopted. And it's an essential thing in order to have a relationship with God. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And again, I want you to read those underlined words with me. Or I'll read them to you. It says, But when the fullness of time uh, had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, and I'm going to add, adopted by Joseph. That wasn't in the original. Born under the law to redeem those that were under the law Listen, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Jesus' purpose on this earth was to make it possible for us to be adopted by God. It says that he redeemed us through his birth, through his death, through his resurrection. He brought us uh, into this relationship with God. Just a few verses up uh, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, it says, For in Christ Jesus you were all sons of God through faith. He says those who are in Christ Jesus, those who have have put their faith and trust in Christ, those who have said, I'm done doing my own thing, I need you, God. I need you to forgive me. I need you to to help me. I'm, I'm turning away from my old self, from my old sin, and I'm turning to you. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. So what does it mean to be a son of God? What does this adoption look like? You know, it speaks 
first of all, of a relationship. You know, before we were adopted, we were slaves to sin. It talks about that in Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, and Romans chapter 6, verse 17. But now, because, not because of our own efforts, not because of anything that we could pull out of ourselves, but because of what Jesus did for us, listen, we have a close family, personal relationship with Almighty God. You can literally call him dad, friend, daddy. You can see it also in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. It uses the same word, Abba, father. But it also speaks of an inheritance. This this being uh, called a son of God speaks of an inheritance. And, you know, maybe when, when you see that word, that term son of God, you, you say, oh, well, what about the ladies, right? I mean, it, is it just the guys or that's weird, right? And some people would say, well, what it's really saying is sons and daughters of God. I want you to pay close attention. This is really neat. This is really amazing because you need to know, first of all, that God is not excluding you. But there's a specific reason for the words adoption as sons. Because during that time, inheritance was passed on through the male son. And Jesus is saying to you, I don't want you to miss out on any of it. I want you to have all of my inheritance. All of you. I'm not holding anything back. You know, my dad told me not to expect a windfall of inheritance. (laughs) But would you imagine with me the inheritance of the dad who owns all of creation? Whoa. Talk about loaded, right? I mean, he's got it. Not only does he own it, but he made it with his hands with his words. And there's still so much more that we haven't even seen yet. You know, I hear about a place that has paved streets and they use gold to do it. I mean, that's not saying much about gold if it's on the ground and everybody's walking on it, right? Can you believe even much more the inheritance that God is going to give to us? Think about this. Your inheritance includes a life in heaven with him. It includes freedom from sin. And one day complete, and and, uh, God is just going to change us in a way that we would never even imagine or think, but we've always wanted. He's going to free us from the mess. I want you to look at what someone has said about our adoption from God. This next uh, quotation is, is, uh, it says, The blessing of sonship, uh, I'm sorry, the blessings of sonship are too numerous to mention, except in the briefest of ways. Listen to these. His sons are objects of God's peculiar love and his fatherly care. They have the family name, the family likeness, family love, 
a filial spirit, a family service. They receive fatherly chastisement, fatherly comfort, and an inheritance. Wow, we get God's last name. I'm not sure what it is, by the way. So uh, if you know, let me know. But it is, isn't it amazing that he would bestow that upon us? He would adopt us. I mean, who are we? We didn't stand out in any way whatsoever. And he said, I want you. Can you believe it? We are blessed beyond belief. We are blessed more than we could ever truly comprehend. But would you take a moment and just go, wow. Wow, you adopted me. You loved me. You care about me. We are family. You know, just like Joseph, our adoption isn't without some of the mess of its own, right? There was great sacrifice to bring us adoption. There was great suffering by Jesus in order to make our adoption possible. But he did it. He went through the middle of it, didn't he? He didn't say, oh, okay, no, no, let's... Uh, Let's see, how else can we do this? He said, no, I know it's going to take suffering. I know it's going to take death. I'm going to go through it because I love them, and you love them, and we need to bring them together. So what do I do about my adoption? I mean, if, if God has blessed me in such a way, uh, actually in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says, uh, and, and this is uh, t- talking with Abraham. Uh, God says, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Listen to this. So that you will be a blessing. And he was speaking specifically of, of a nation of people that God was going to bring up, the nation of Israel. What has God done for us? He has brought up a family for us, hasn't he? We are his kids. So when we have been blessed, it says, so that you will be a blessing. So what do I do about my adoption? We can say, I'll adopt you. And you adopt others, right? Again, I, I, I don't want you to just kind of zone out and think, okay, he's only talking about legal adoption, so this really is not, you know, we're not going to do that right now, okay? Just so you know, we're not doing that. God's word gives us principles that impact our lives no matter what stage of life we're in. We are blessed to be a blessing. And I want you to read, I want you to see this verse in James chapter 1. This is an incredible statement. James chapter 1, verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion. Wow, a lot of people are looking for that, aren't they? A lot of people are seeking that. Well, where can I find it? What does that look like? Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this. 
to visit the orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Now that that idea of visit isn't just like, say hi, say bye. (laughs) It really speaks of investing, of seeing, of caring, of, of looking. And there's specifically... Uh, mentioned two groups that are the most vulnerable in our world, aren't they? I mean, if you think about it, if you think about who are the most vulnerable people in the world, orphans and widows, man, who's going to take care of them? Who's going to watch out for them? Who's going to be a blessing to them? He says, let the adoptive work of Christ on your behalf play out in the lives of others. He says, this isn't just for you to have and you to say, oh, I'm God's kid. This is amazing. This is great. He says, no, demonstrate it. Show it. Let it be a picture for everyone to see of just how much God desires to adopt you. You know, we're going to look at some ways that you can demonstrate this in real life. And I want you to know that, that, um, that I have seen these things happening all around here at New Hope. And you know, it just, it makes me so excited. It's so cool to see how God is using you in your lives, in your different ways, to be a blessing to others because of the adoption that you have been given. Did you know that many of the the Christmas turkey meals that you provided for our community, they went, uh, many of them went to homes that were on the verge and are on the verge of falling apart. Literally, if things don't change, in that house, the family will disintegrate. You say, well, it's just a turkey. It's just a meal. Yeah, but they need somebody to care. They need someone to recognize their struggle. And it doesn't mean they're making the right choices. It doesn't mean that they're always doing the right thing. But guess what? Neither are you and neither am I. We've just been able to float along. They need to know that somebody cares. And you got to be a part of that encouragement. You got to be a part of the strength that many of those families felt. And I've seen people opening their homes to a foster child or children for a couple days or a couple months or a couple years. And maybe you would say, you know, I I can't do that. that. You know, that's too hard. Well, you might be surprised at what the Lord can do through your life. Don't limit him. But you know what? I I think about those who could come alongside some of those foster parents and just be a blessing to them. I'm telling you, when when we have foster kids in our homes, many of you have been such a blessing to our lives, just encouraging and strengthening. And, And you know what? It's not easy because there's actually a process to be able to watch some kids for a couple hours. You have to fill out an application. You have to get a background check to watch some kids for a couple hours. But you know what that would do for a family? You know what that does? 
That says, I can keep on doing what God has called me to do. You have breathed life into me. You know, I've seen people in our church family come alongside of someone who doesn't have a role model. They've been a mentor. And this, I, I think especially of, of many kids who don't have a dad. And they need someone who can be a reflection of the Father in their lives. You can show them what it means to have a Father who cares about you and loves you. You know, I've seen people who spend their careers doing this, and and many times thankless work. Let me just be honest with you. Social workers have it hard, okay? Nobody likes them. I mean, I I do. I do. I, I promise. But it's hard. It's a hard job. And you see things and you can't do anything about it. And you, maybe we would say, it's a broken system. We need to fix it. Uh, okay, that's great. It's true. But any system for anything in your life or my life is going to be a broken system. It's the world that we live in. And many of these servants, are, these adopted kids of God, have said, you know what? I need to do something. I need to allow someone to see and to know the God that I serve. You know, I've seen adoption played out even within our own families. I mean, sometimes we just need that reminder in our life, right, about intentionally sharing with each other the power of God's adoption in your life. And when you intentionally even adopt your own kids, you know, when you invest in your own kids, when you say we are family and there's nothing that's going to take that away. Maybe it's in your extended family. Maybe there's someone in your extended family that is kind of on the outskirts of the family. And you need to just adopt them. You just need to say, okay, I want to show the love of God to you. I want you to know about this God who adopts and who has done something amazing in my life. And I think of of step-families and parents who are often in the middle of difficult circumstances, feeling like an outsider, you know, trying to be a mom or a dad, but, but also trying to find favor with your new family, right? And if you've been adopted by God, he can work through you to impact the lives of those that you're loving. It's messy, isn't it? But you can impact your family. You know, I think about adoptive families, and, and we've been privileged to be a part of this. But we saw uh, in, in Joseph and Mary's life that adoption was messy, right? And they adopted Jesus. Like they adopted the perfect kid, with the perfect biological dad. You know what I'm saying? And so imagine what it's like. Imagine the mess when we have imperfect people, including ourselves, that are trying to do something that God has called us to do. You better believe that these needs are going to get messy. It's going to be hard. And, and 
you're going to be misunderstood and your intentions are not going to be seen as, as they truly are, but it doesn't mean that we don't do it, right? It doesn't mean that we just don't step up as God's people and do something about it. And I have to tell you, it's not the right step for every family right now. And I, I would also warn you to be very careful to be prepared and to be preparing as you take that step. But you can be a part of changing someone's life. You can be a part of not only their physical right now, daily needs being met, being in a loving home that can take care of them and love them and Not only that, but you can introduce your child to the greatest and most important father of all. In 2011, there was a study that was done that just kind of uh, gave the number of um, children that are ready to be adopted in the state of New York. This doesn't include foster children that aren't freed for adoption. This is only those who their parents have said, I can't do it, I'm not going to be able to do it, they're free for adoption, please find them a home. Please find them somewhere to go. In New York State in 2011, there were 6,418 kids who were ready Six thousand four hundred and eighteen kids with no mom and dad. And that study also had another number next to it. It had the number of churches that there were in New York. Not families who go to churches, but groups of people who were gathering together to worship. Fourteen thousand seven hundred and sixty seven places of worship. Six thousand kids, fourteen thousand groups of people. Mm. And that's just New York. That's just those who are ready to be adopted. That's not counting uh, those overseas. That's not counting those who are in foster care that will be freed for adoption. Man, there's just something about what God has done in our lives that of all people, we as his body should say, okay, it's not easy. It's not always fun. Actually, it's not fun a lot of times. It's messy. But it's also incredibly rewarding and honoring to God who has done that for us. You know, uh, Patty and I were in North Carolina and um, we saw this sign and we, we had to get it. It's not a piece of wood, okay? 
And obviously, it struck a chord with us because we were just celebrating the adoption of our girls. But this, the words that are on this sign are not just about those girls. These words are about your life and can be about your life if you trust Christ. It says, not an orphan anymore. I'm not defined by what other people say about me. I'm defined by what God has done in my life. And man, I can't wait to in some way, in some fashion, be a part of God's work in someone else's life. We have been blessed in order to be a blessing. Let's pray. Father, we come before you so grateful for the examples that have come before us of Mary and Joseph and, man, the struggles of a lifetime that they had to deal with. And yet they did it because they knew they were following you. Lord, I thank you for Jesus who made it possible for us to be called the children of God instead of the slaves of sin. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here tonight who has never put their faith and trust in you, who has never been adopted by you, who has never felt or known that kind of closeness with you, that you would speak to their hearts today. That you would allow your words to do something amazing. That you would allow the sacrifice of Christ to do something on their behalf. That they would trust you and become your child. And Lord, I would pray that you would speak to us about how we can and should step forward how we should show the love of Christ pictured in adoption in so many different ways. Father, you have brought us life. So it's our desire that we bring life to others. Thank you. 